I grudge them, grudge them on, you know. I threw him a fight for black liberation. And him a one true warrior. Them I want to try to stop him. But them can't stop the man. Them can't stop Raheem Shabazz. That's why anytime me want to listen to revolutionary liberation vibes, me tune into Necessary Blackness podcast. Me not hear them like a Yaga Yaga podcast them. I be your Necessary Blackness me rock with. Anytime me want your true warrior talking. Peace and Black Power family, this is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. Now today, we have a special guest that is joining us, and he is here to reconnect us back to our our cultural tradition and to delve into the high science of the cosmo in order for us to vibrate on a higher frequency. And our guest today is no other than Professor James Small, the Grandmaster Teacher. Some know him as Baba Professor James Small, but he is joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Let's all welcome James Small, Professor James Small. How you doing, brother? I'm all right, Brother Raheem. How you doing? And, and hello to everybody out there. Now, this interview has been a long time in the making. Um, I wanted to do this before uh, we actually went on lockdown, but due to COVID-19, we had to push it back. But nevertheless, you know, we right on time because this is definitely going to be a timely message. Professor James Wall, I want to talk about African spirituality. Now, I know when we're dealing with African spirituality, some people related to the force of nature, the laws of physics, but regardless to whom of what, we're dealing with energy. So could you enlighten our people to what is the origin of African spirituality and why it's necessary that we reconnect back to that? Now, the first thing, nobody knows the origin of anything. Mm, okay. Let's knock that one out. Um, um, because we don't know the origin of the world. Nobody there is, there can possibly be no beginning. And if there is the beginning, then something existed in order for something to begin from. So the concept of a beginning of anything when it comes to life is a misnomer. So if we want to talk about African spirituality, I don't like the term, because it's now being punked out, misused, mishandled by most people who are dealing with it. So I deal with African sacred science. Okay. okay. So we'll use African sacred science in the place of African spirituality. And African sacred science is that body of knowledge garnered from the universe and the environment, ecology we live in, and about ourselves by our ancestors over the millions of years they've been here. And that body of knowledge on how the universe works, how nature works, and how the human body works. When you combine those three things and the relationship our ancestors understood between those three things, cosmology, ecology, and the human being, that understanding of that interrelationship is what we call African sacred science and what people are calling African spirituality. It is not a religion. It is the way of life of a people as they understand themselves living in the rest of nature and the universe. And the culture comes from the word, of course, culture comes from the word to cultivate. They cultivated that body of knowledge. They learned about the stars and the moons and the planets and the energy and the gases and the light. 
and its effect on human life and on the environment and ecology we live in and the effects of that environment and ecology we live in have on us and the effect we have on it. What we borrow from it in terms of learning how to emulate the, um, how do you say, function, so that when we create our family, when we create our neighborhood, when we create our community, when we created our societies back in the ancient days, we created it based on these principles and laws we learn and understand from how nature works and how the universe works and how the human body works in relationship with the two. It is that body of knowledge that makes up the foundation of a culture of a people. See, culture is not music, drumming, dancing, dressing, theater, or drama. Those are tools of culture. Those tools are used to explain the principles and the laws by which we live, you know, and the incidentals that go along with that living attempt, trying to attempt to live according to the laws of nature and the laws of the cosmology. That whole body of things is what is called African spirituality or our understanding of those laws and rules and nature and the cosmos and how we implement those laws in our lives, in our daily practice, is what's called African spirituality or the African sacred science, which is the more appropriate name. The things we are calling religion, those are rituals people do to help teach them and to help them to understand and to keep in force in their minds these laws, rules, and regulations. All right, so we got that. Rituals are what people do. And when we're dealing with the African spiritual system, it's more appropriate to call it the African sacred science because right. of the way it's being used today, right? Correct? Right, correct. You know, well, people are confusing our ancient culture within the culture is your education system. The mm -hmm. culture is the the things you put together to teach you that sacred science mm. and to keep you through practice focusing on being on point, okay? And so it's not a religion. There's no such thing as a Yoruba religion. Even I made that mistake in the past. There's no such thing as ancient comedic religion, all right? This is their sacred science. It was their way of life. It governs everything they did. They observed the stars. They observed the moons, they observed the planet, they observed the sun for thousands of years and see how they go through the cycles. And when the sun is going through a certain cycle in that 24 hours period, what is happening to the human body and what is happening to Earth? When the moon goes through that cycle, it goes through for the 30 days or 28 days. What is happening on each of the days to the, to the environment and what is happening to the human body? When the stars make their circumventilation around the universe in a year or 10 years or 1,000 years or 5,000 years, what's happening on Earth at the same time? How is it affecting our behavior? How does our behavior change when the Big Dipper is twisted this way? How is our behavior when it's twisted this way? How is our behavior when the sun is in this location or the moon is in this location? If you observe, our ancestors observed this thing for over a thousand years and realized that it gets to a point where it repeats itself. Mm. And once they've seen it repeat itself twice, they know that is a constant. This is what happens. So in that process it takes before it gets to the repetition, what is happening to the earth? 
what is happening to the plants, the animal, the water, the soil, what is happening to the human body on each of those occasions of the movements of these things. Now, you said that's a constant, then, right? Uh, is that constant where the, means it does the same thing over and over again over time. Is that where the it word constellation comes from? I'm not sure. Okay. It could be, you know. But what our ancestors did was to study the rest of... Remember, we are on the planet Earth, so we are in outer space, too. We are aliens, too. We are aliens to everything that lives on all the other planets in the universe. Mm. We're not sitting still somewhere. We're spinning in space just like Mars, Jupiter, Pluto, Uranus, and so forth. So we live in outer space, you understand? So we're part of that whole process. We're not separate from it. So our ancestors studied and found out then what is the relationship between all these things and how does it affect us? And how can we live an optimal life by mimicking, by copying the behavior of the rest of the universe? How do we learn to mimic nature and then copying the behavior of nature? How do we learn what our relationship is with nature, nature's relationship with us? Because I want people to really get it so we stop uh, trivializing spirituality. You know, when we look at the human body, right? Mm-hmm. You know that the human body is about 60 to 70% water. The human brain is 70, 73% water. The human heart is 83% water. The human skin is 64% water. The muscles and the kidneys are 79% water. The bones are 31% water. You understand? So we have a, a deep relationship with water, right? Mm-hmm. And so our ancestors understood that. We know that we exhale carbon dioxide and trees absorb carbon dioxide and the trees exhale oxygen and we absorb oxygen. The water gives off oxygen and we absorb oxygen. And without the oxygen as a fuel, we can't function, you know? We have nothing to power our generating plant called the human body. So when the Africans in the ancient days is writing in their script talking about temples, they weren't talking about buildings. They were talking about the human body. Mm. When they said the divine reside in these temples, I mean, the essence of what we call God, which is to the African, the totality of all things, it lives within you. That we are a microscopic representation of the total macro universe. So if we learn how it works, we learn how we work. So we studied the stars, and we call it astronomy. And we learned the movements of the constellations, and we learned the movements of the stars and the constellations, and we learned the movements of the sun and the moon, and we learned the movements of the planets. And then we came up with another system to explain that to ourselves, and that system is called astrology. So astrology is a science we created to explain astronomy to the masses. Mm. That's why when you say, I'm reading what is my sign and, and what's supposed to be happening to me, my thing is in Jupiter or it's in Mars or it's in retrograde, it's telling you how the universe affects your body at different times of the year, you see. So astronomy is the science, I mean, astrology is the science that explains astronomy. So one explains get that the right, other. we'll stop playing with it. Right. The ancestors studied the universe, and that's called astronomy. But now they had to explain it to the masses, and that's called astrology. 
And in that explanation, it's explaining how the stars and the moon and the planet affects your body on a daily basis. You understand? Then we go to the environment we live in, where we need the, the vitamins and the, the D and the C and the B and the A, and we need the, the proteins, and we need, you know, the calcium and the other minerals. We've got, I think, 148 minerals in the human body. And those minerals and everything else in nature. So what do we eat to get those minerals so we can stay at an optimal health? You got to put all that together if you want to talk about what they're calling African spirituality. When it's all put together into a cultural education system, and that's what a culture is. So people that need a building to call the university, they taught this to themselves in the way they live on a daily basis depending on how old they were and what their role were and what their genders were. And the rhythm of that organization made up our African way of life. That was well put together. And once we understand that, we're definitely going to understand ourselves because as above, so below. And earlier, you spoke about uh, Yoruba and the system. Right. Yeah, the Yoruba is a people in West Africa who simply practices the system I just explained. But the Akans in Ghana practice the same system. And the people of the Congo practice the same system. And the people in Haiti practice the same system and call it voodoo. It's the same sacred science. There's only one sun. There's only one moon. You understand? The stars they see in Haiti is the same stars they see in Nigeria. There's only one law of nature. And so all these systems, Voodoo, Yoruba, Condomble, and so forth, Santeria, these are all ways of trying to explain the sacred science of the universe and the ecology we live in to ourselves and then practice it. See, the key word is the practice. Do we practice the principles and the laws we learn from the rest of creation? Then you into African spirituality. Then you do an African sacred science. So why you just playing little Christian games with little tiny pieces of things Africans and calling it indigenous religion. And that ain't what it is. So in keeping with the science of African sacred science, there's a ceremony mm-hmm. that is performed during mostly every event. Me and you had the privilege of uh, sharing the stage when we was in Tampa, Florida, and um, they right. did a libation. And mm-hmm. I want you to speak about the pouring of libations to pay respect to our ancestors, because it was one time, and I remember this, and I heard you explain this. I want you to eloquently explain this to our audience today. Well, you never remember what you did the last time. Yeah, I know. You learn more things or you discard some things. But the fundamentals of a libation, remember I told you about the water and how much of our body is water. Yeah. So that's why water is considered to be so sacred, you know. And so when you pour water to the earth, the earth is made up of all the minerals that make up our body that share our body with that water. Got it? Mm-hmm. All right. So when you pour in that libation, you're pouring it to your ancestors because the earth is your ancestor and the water is your ancestor. We come from the earth and the water. You see? Mm-hmm. And so when you're making that gesture, you're telling them, 
I appreciate my beingness because of your manifestation as me. You know, I'm a manifestation of you. When I was in my mother's body, when that sperm and that egg came together, everything that made me up is what came through my mother's mouth and down through her body to awaken and fuel that egg and that sperm to create me. So all of those minerals that was in the food my mom ate, all of the vitamins, all of the, the water makes me. So I come from you. She ate the carrot. The carrot came from the earth and the carrot goes into my mother. Then the carrot passed into me and I began to grow as a fetus into a baby. Follow that line back, we go right back into the earth, right? So when we pour in that libation to the earth, you're pouring the libation to your ancestors out of which you came into being. And you're also pouring it as a symbol to yourself when you lived as your ancestors. And let me explain that. Each one of us, when my mom gave birth to me and my dad, and your mom and your dad gave birth to you, they gave birth to themselves. But we're not some separate being. We are them going forward. And they were giving birth to our grandparents, who when they gave birth to our parents, gave birth to themselves. And you take that back to the beginning, when the human being or the divine totality of the universe first manifested as a black woman, human being, then you understand the power of pouring that libation to your ancestry, because you are your ancestors coming forward. Well, an Orisha is a, is, a, is a Yoruba word, and Orisha really is talking about the forces in nature. Well, all the forces in nature is also in the human being. But a force in nature is a body of energy that is constructed in a certain way. If we were talking about voodoo, we would be calling it loas. Loas is an expression of a body of energy that has a specific manifestation and function and effect on the world we live in. So when we're thinking of an orisha, we're thinking of a power a body of energy, a, a, a conglomeration of energy, an amalgamation of energies that does specific kinds of things in the environment we're in. And all of the power forces of nature that we call Orishas is also forces in the greater universe we call, we call the cosmology. But all those forces are also dormant in us. Until we, through practice of the fundamental laws of nature and the universe, bring them to life. And then it becomes a power that you can use. But you have to bring them to life through practicing certain ethical, moral principles, concepts, and ideas based on our ancestors' interpretation of the laws of nature and our new understanding of the laws of nature and the laws of cosmology. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for those that are just joining us, we are speaking with the Grandmaster Teacher, Professor James Small, and we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back from this quick commercial break, we're going to talk about the African system of rites of passage. So y'all stay tuned. This is Necessary Blackness Podcast, and I am your host, Raheem Shabazz. 
Check out MCJ, musicculturejournalism.com. Hip-hop is a global movement reaching all aspects of music, culture, and journalism. MCJ is the premier destination for culture-driven video and editorial content around the country. Check out musicculturejournalism.com. Log on today. Elementary Genocide provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. Visit our website at www.elementarygenocide.com. Now available, Elementary Genocide, the School to Prison Pipeline. Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration. And the newest release, Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. Log on today to purchase your very own three-set docu-series. Wingy Apparel is the latest fly in revolutionary streetwear to hit the market. Wingy is the outfitters of freedom fighters everywhere. Wingy is a Swahili word that means abundance. No one has ever gone broke by giving. So if you have it in abundance, sharing is better than receiving. Follow us on Instagram at Wingy Apparel. That's at W-I-N-G-I-A-P-P-A-R-E-L. We are back from our quick commercial break. This is Raheem Shabazz, and y'all are tuned in to Necessary Blackness Podcast. Our special guest today is Grandmaster Teacher, Professor James Small. And before we left, we were talking about the African spiritual system. We talked about Yoruba. We talked about the Orishas. And now I want to ask you, dear brother, to explain what is the African system of rites of passage? A rites of passage is when a person in society is introduced to a next level of responsibility and understanding. The first rites of passage actually occurs when the sperm fertilizes the egg and the woman announces her pregnancies. Then the women in the community begin to form, perform certain rituals and certain libations to the ancestors so that this baby that's coming forward will be prepared for this life. The next rites of passage occurs once the baby is born, when you give the baby a name. Before you name the baby, the elders of the family and of the community come together before anybody in the community gets to see that baby and study the baby to see who, which ancestor has come back. And they can tell through looks, through eyes, through face structure, through the baby's behavior, which ancestor has come back. And once they have agreed on which ancestor has returned through the rituals they perform, some of which I don't know because that's a deeper science than I'm in, but I know the generalities of it, then they give the baby a name that usually take about eight days. And on that eighth day, they bring the baby out to the community and introduce the baby to the community. That is another rites of passage. And then the responsibility of the mother and the father and the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles, knowing now who this baby is, which ancestor has come back, know the specific ways in which to tutor and raise this child because they know what the spirit requires. And so when the child gets to be 
through what we call puberty, 15, 30, depending on the society, 12, 13, 14, 15, then there's a major rites of passage where the child is taken away from the family and taken by the secret societies, if it's a woman, by the secret society of women, or if it's a man, by the secret society of men, into the forest, into a special place where they're taught and trained about the society they're about to grow into an adult in, you know, and what is expected of them and how they should behave and how they should conduct themselves. And so that process can take anywhere from a month to a couple of years. And then the children are trained in many skills and arts, self-defense and other things. And then the children on one occasion will then come back to their village and come back and be returned to their family on the big celebrations and ceremonies and fanfare. The children have now grown into being young adults. And then there's another vice of passage when you get a certain age, depending on the society, where you go for certain rituals and rites of passage to prepare yourself for being a junior elder, as sometimes in your 40s. And again, you learn more about the mystery and the understanding of nature and the cosmology of family and responsibilities. And then you have your last rites of passage when you prepare for death. Rites of passage is a preparation for the next stage of the life of the human being based on the sacred science understanding embedded into the culture of the community that's carrying on the ceremonies. Now, you talked about various stages of the rites of passage, everything from the ceremony of the name to uh, manhood training, and the last and final stage is preparing you for death. Now, the manhood training and preparing you for death is the two last stages. Now, a lot of people saying that what is lacking is the manhood training today amongst our youth. And with this, it's culminating into a lot of things that's happening that shouldn't necessarily be happening, which brings me to our next subject matter of police brutality. What are your thoughts on the ongoing protests and defunding the police, and what can we do to circumvent police brutality in our community? Well, one of the things, if I had my brother, every young black man and woman in America, when they got to be 18, they would join the U.S. military. Since we as a community don't have any rights of passage program, we don't have no real manhood program, and a two-week thing or one-day thing, Ain't going to cut it. All right? Mm-hmm. So I would have all joined the American military. I served in the American military, and when I came out of the military, I fought against the draft. That's one of the few things I really regret, because that whole military thing is a manhood training program. And people say, well, you know, man, I'm not going to go in the military and kill nobody for this country. Well, let me tell you a little secret. In the last 35 years, young black men mostly have killed 324,000 other young black men. Let me say that one again. Say it again. In the last 35 years, 
young black Americans, males, have killed 324,000 other young black males. But you're not going to go in the army and, and fight for no white man. No, you're fighting for the white man. You just killed 324,000 of your own people. So chew on that for a minute. And, if we, and, and unless we can put together some manhood training program, and you and I both know we're not going to be able to put it together, except in the little small models we have and the few archon societies here and urban societies here, then I suggest that we should make sure all of our young men go in the American military, learn how to handle a weapon, learn how to use a weapon, learn self-defense, learn self-discipline, learn self-organization, then bring that stuff back home to the community. Many people may argue that even... They don't have an argument against that unless they're going to have a celebration over the 324,000 deaths. Otherwise, they've got no argument against it. Unless they're going to put up something in its place, what argument are they going to have? Well, people may use the argument that we have enough people that are former... Or Marines, or, or you know, veterans them, that was in the them, army. Then put them, then put them together. And if you ain't gonna put them together, talking about we haven't no mean nothing, then I say, join the Army of the United States of America. It's your country. You can disclaim it if you want to. You live here. You eat here. You work here. You pay your taxes here. You go to school here. Stop playing. If it ain't your country, get on a plane and go to the one that you want to be your country. But if you're going to be in the country, then you need to take charge of the damn country. Speaking of going back to your country, you are a big proponent of connecting our roots with Africa. That's the birthplace of humanity. But Africans are indigenous to the whole earth. We're the indigenous people in Australia. We're the indigenous people in India. We're the indigenous people in New Guinea, Hawaii. China, Vietnam, and yes, we also the indigenous people in North America. Ain't no mystery to that. If we are the indigenous people everywhere in the world and the aborigine everywhere in the world, why not be the aborigine here in North America? And those who are owning that are trying to make it like a mystery. It ain't no mystery. We're the aborigine and the indigenous people on every square inch of the planet, including Europe. We were the indigenous people in Europe. So we need to start taking a look at things in a more serious lens. And all I'm saying, until we can put together something to cut down on this 324,000 self-murder, we need to find some way to discipline our young people. And I say, send the answers in the military. We may not save all of them, but I guarantee you about 90% of them will come back in more men than they are on the streets today justifying why they're going to kill one another over $10, why they will shoot in the crowd and kill our babies on the street corner and walk around with a pistol in their hand like that's a penis giving them power. Calling themselves gangsters. Gangsters don't kill their own people. They don't kill their own innocents. They kill other gangsters. But you don't kill your people. What gangster they've been looking up to? The people we call gangsters really Ethnic armies. The mafia ain't no gangster to Italian people. That's an ethnic army that's protecting and making sure they can feed Italian people. Set up business for Italian people. Run the neighborhoods they live in and make sure nobody can come in and mess with them running it. That's a real gangster. 
bunch of punks running around murdering one another because they can carry a gun and play and go on to prison and spend half of their life in prison being treated like they're females and coming back out of trying to act macho like males. So let's stop that stuff. Let's stop lying. <laughs> let's tell ourselves the truth about what's really happening. And I'll tell you right now, and, and until we find another way to do it, we will save 70 to 80% of our young men if they went and did at least two years in the American military. They'll learn how to shoot a gun. They'll learn how to responsibly handle the gun. They'll learn who their real enemy is. They'll learn how to discipline themselves. They'll learn how to control themselves. You spoke to how we can save our young men. What steps can we take to save our young sisters because they are catching hell in the streets just as it's well. The, the same process. Unless we can put together in our communities, right, a womanhood training program. We have 50 million people, so to put something together that's going to help 10 people ain't going to do us no good, okay? To put together a right to pass program where you, you're going to process 20 people a year when you're dealing with 50 million people, you ain't even in the game. You're not even in the game. I commend the brothers and sisters who do that, and I've done that, and the Yakon societies and the Yoruba societies and the others who are doing it, the Hebrew community, the Morris community, they're trying. But they don't have any, even a visible effect because we're talking about a population that is about the 12th largest population in the world. Okay? Mm-hmm. And if we can't deal with it, then let's use the tools that's available. Right now, the American military is the tool available. The other thing that I would tell everyone who, who want to carry a gun, then get on in a classroom in somebody's basement in the house and learn how to pass the police exam. Stop crying about the police and you're too scared to be a police. Well, if you ain't going to be the police, then your enemy going to be the police. Now, let me say that again, because see, we keep punking out on certain things that really serious. Every community in this country, like every community in the world, will have some kind of law enforcement apparatus. Either you leave your enemy to run it, or you prepare yourself to run it. But right now, we're just running from those who are running it and getting shot down. Why don't we become the police in our community? And I'm not talking about going out there and playing with a few guns on occasion, marching down the street once or twice a year, because that's not policing. Yeah, my only problem with that is that when we do have police in our community that look like us, is that they take on the attitude and the morale of the oppressor. Yeah, because we leave five of them to be there with 2,000 oppressors. We should be the 2,000. And that was stop. We leave five, ten people out there who, could it get any worse than what it is? Does it make any sense that a white man is policing the black community? Does that make any sense under any circumstances? Not at all. Okay. So we ain't got no argument against that. We need to figure out how we're going to do that. And I suggest that, that different organizations um, begin to go in and buy, you know, we can buy these tests like we get the GND, GD, and these other civil service tests, and these young men stop with them in the 10th grade in high school. So by the time they get out of high school, they can ace any police exam, any fireman exam, any park police exam, any state trooper exam, and let them take it. If they don't want to take those exams, then join the military and spend two years and learn how to be a man and come back to your community. Because you can't tell me 
that the gunslingers in our community now are men. They're murderers of their own people. And there ain't no logic or excuse they can put up to it. Yeah, this weekend, uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan did a, a public address. Was you able to uh, mm-hmm. view that speech? No, someone told me about it, but I'm going to try to hit it before the week is out. But I know the minister is always on point, and, and that's my man right there. He's one of the greatest teachers we've ever had. Um, and I know whatever, you know, wisdom he threw down, it was some heavy wisdom. Yeah, he talked heavily about the COVID-19 pandemic and how mm-hmm. we need to look to the doctors in Cuba that went over there to Wuhan and right, I agree. I agree. Um, no, I agree. Cuba has had one of the best medical systems in the world for the last fifty years. Yeah, the problem and is, even the the World Health Organization and the UN declared that more than forty years ago. Yeah, the problem is the United States has an embargo on Cuba, and they won't let them step uh, foot on American soil to take lead. So we can go. We we can go to other soils where they will set their foot on. That's right. With them. That's right. We and can I go think, to Mexico. We can go to Brazil. We can go to Venezuela, especially Venezuela. And I think that yeah. needs to be done. So let me ask you, what is your thoughts on this COVID-19, some of the things you have seen, and how are you holding up and self-quarantining yourself? Well, I'm, I'm cool because I'm doing trying to do what I've always been doing, eating healthy, keeping my immune system strong. A lot of brothers and sisters around the country have been selling me herbs and sea moss and different things, and I thank them and bless them for the help that people have given me and the family and that regards. We always try to live a healthy life because it comes back to what we were talking about when we were talking about African sacred science. You have to eat to live. Elijah Muhammad told us that. He wrote a book on it, and we need to go and listen to the messenger. See, not enough of us have listened to Elijah Muhammad because the white man told us not to listen to him. And then the white man said, well, they killed Malcolm X. And so you should go inside with Malcolm X and ignore them. It's sad that the conflict took place that cost Brother Malcolm his life. And nobody could claim to love him more than me other than his family. Because I'm the guy that took over the mosque after he was assassinated at age 21. And so, but we can't keep reliving a mistake in our history that caused us a harm. Let's heal. White men were killing us since we've been here. We're still dealing with him. He's still reading his book, eating his food, going to his restaurant. So we need to turn. Let me tell you something. The messenger, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, that brother left us some shit. You hear me? He left us some deep stuff in his two books. All of my children have copies. I recommend every black man and woman have a copy of Message to the Black Man and How to Eat and Live. Those are two books by the messenger. Message to the black man, how to eat to live. Oh, Even before course. there was any any discussion about holistic food and eating green, the messenger was dropping no signs on us and we weren't paying no attention. Some of us did. Most of us didn't because the white man say they're Muslim. And so we ain't dealing with them, but when the Arab Muslim come in our community, we run right into this stuff. So I'm make them, brother. But we treat our brothers who are Muslim like crap, and we need to stop it. Self-hate, it comes from ignorance of your own history, disrespect for your ancestors, and disrespect for your elders is our biggest problem, brother. Those three things, ignorance of your history, disrespect of ancestors, and disrespect of our elders. 
are your biggest problem. Because see, every community got a tribe. I, I got a tribe. I belong to the African American tribe. I don't care what nobody you can call it, but you want to call it the Moorish American tribe. Then I belong to the Moorish American tribe. When I call it the Hebrew American tribe, I belong to the Hebrew American tribe. But I'm clear that I've been in this location, this geography, for nearly 400 years, having a common experience with a group of 50 million other people, suffering under common condition with those 50 million other people, uh, fighting back with those 50 million other people. We have lived together, married together. We have bonded together. We are a tribe in the same way that Europe as a tribe, the Shanti as a tribe, the Zulu as a tribe, and they ain't got no problem with it. You don't like the word tribe? Then use the word ethnic group. But we are ethnic groups that's a part of the greater African race. And we are all one, and we need to unite with our brothers and sisters. That's why I dropped it, that we, 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 are, we are part, we are an ethnic group in the greater African race. That makes us one. You see, but I've, I've got to learn to know and love myself before I can learn to know and love my brother. And if you don't love yourself, if you poison yourself with the food you eat, or poison yourself with the drugs you use, or poison yourself with the ignorance that bring out self-hate, and, and self-loathing, poison yourself so you don't have self-value and self-worth, then how are you going to respect the lights in your brother's body or the light in your sister's body if you don't have the wisdom to respect the light in yourself? And you're not going to respect the light in yourself unless you know the history of your people, both in the North America and the Caribbean, Central South America, and in Africa, especially Africa. Africa's our mother and our father. But as a child of Africa, who have been in this crucible of white American, I don't call these things supreme. They're not supreme to nothing. They may have some false notion of white supremacy, but there's never been any white supremacy. There's been a bunch of white murderers and thieves and rapists and vagabonds and genociders. Stop calling them white supremacists. They're not supreme to nothing. Make yourself supreme. And start by knowing your history. Dr. Wade Noble says history will erase the white mystery. Muhammad you don't us. have to accept everything that the messenger said, but there's a whole bunch in that book that we were to accept. We'll turn our lives around tomorrow. The supreme we'll being black man. Tomorrow. That's who we are, the original man. Supreme being black man. Absolutely. And we should stop being ashamed or afraid to say we're the original man. I put it like this, Raheem. I said, when the universe first manifested as a human being, say this again, when the universe, the totality of the universe, first manifested as a human being, it manifested as a black woman, and she gave birth to all the rest of us. Absolutely. Speaking of organizations and manhood training, it caused a little controversy online when you announced that uh, you was a Mason, right? And I think people have the uh, misconception of what a uh, Mason they're is. Not studying, they're not studying history. They're listening to little white boys uh, gibberish on, 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 on the internet. Do the reading for yourself. Studying what masonry is. Masonry is nothing but, it's just a manhood training program. Okay? That's the mystery. How to develop yourself morally. When you join the Masons, the one thing they say, they say, where were you first a Mason? You said, I was first made a Mason in my heart. Why have you come to join? I want to make a good man better. How do you make a good man better? I study how to be a righteous human being, stand upright. I learn to protect myself, my family, my children, my wife, my home, my people. Okay? 
that's what masonry is about. That's what you're taught in those lodges. How to be brothers. How to be principal. How to be just. How to be righteous. Now, have it gotten corrupted? Of course it's gotten corrupted. Like everything else, we follow the white man behavior into. But masonry comes out of ancient Kemet. And what was an ancient Kemet came out of the rest of Africa. It was nothing more than an institution to help men and women become responsible men and women. You could probably call it one of the oldest rites of passage organization in the world. You was a part of the uh, Prince Hall Mason, right? I not was. I still am a part of the Prince Hall Mason Lodge. Cornerstone 37, New York State Grand Lodge. Prince Hall Masons, if you study your history, those brothers who was in Prince Hall Masons from David Walker to Prince Hall himself, from Adam Craven Powell to Martin Luther King, from Malcolm X to Richard Allen, they were all Prince Hall Masons. Malcolm X? That's new to me. I I, I, I didn't know that. Well, Malcolm wasn't Prince Hall. He was raised. I'm sure Prince Hall was the only line that would have raised him. Listen, if you were going to be a master in the nation, you were going to master those 33 degrees, at least the three. Because they said Elijah Muhammad was a Mason as well. Forget about the word. We're talking about the body of knowledge. Okay. So you get into this Mason, the Muslim son, and all that foolishness. Leave that foolishness alone. There's a body of knowledge that men decide we can study among ourselves and learn to be better than ourselves. And that thing simply teaches you how to be truthful. It tries to, how to be honest, how to be fair, how to be righteous. It teaches the admonitions of Ma'at. Like I said, like many of the organizations, it has gotten corrupt with the white men in black face, you know, with their ego. And they're in there because they want to have, uh, get access to politics and money. I tell the young people, like I told the ones who came into Prince Hall and you're going and take your thing back. Take it over, make it what it was designed to be. I've done a piece on Sunnetta. It's called Mason, Africa's Black Child. Go on Sunnetta and look at that piece. I show you all the pharaohs wearing the apron. I show you the pharaohs giving the signs of the first degree, second degree, and third degree. Plain as day. Hmm. I'm going to check that out. Check it out. Yeah. Freemasonry, Africa's Black Child, Sonetta TV. Ain't nobody dropped that shit out there like I dropped it. No. The minister have talked about it and broke it down. Um, Brother Ashwa Crazy have put out some things breaking it down. Dr. Ben, who was the first one to send me into the lodge, broke it down. My first lecture to Masonic Lodge is when I had the dreadlocks back in the day, I think around 1990. And Dr. Ben sent me in, and I raised hell. I had them boys sitting up in there crying. I scared the hell out of them. <laughs> but not going in the right direction with a ship that was given to them by the ancestors that they've been misusing. They hear me. Y'all know who I am. I walk in the light. I walk on the square and I carry the third eye with me everywhere I go. I'm in the craft of Amun-Ra at the shrine of Hunepa. This craft of Amun-Ra is bigger than the Masons. Mason only go to 33rd degree. The craft go to 360 degrees. That's a complete cipher, and you got to stand perpendicular on your square. Yeah, but I may never, never make the 360, but I'm trying hard as hell to get to 180, and I'll be good. But the point I'm making, we're talking about bodies of knowledge. We're talking about wisdom that our ancestors have put together for us to study 
to make us better men, to make us better women, to teach us how to build families, to teach us how to build neighborhoods, teach us how to build communities so we can build nations again. That's how we were able to build civilization. Civilization starts with the family. The family is the foundation of civilization. When we see the statue of Aset and Hassan Haru, we talking about them like they're some gods or some spooky shit. No. When you see Aset, Hassan, and Haru, you're seeing the black family as the foundation of civilization. You're seeing the black family as the symbol of God itself. That's what the ancestors are trying to tell us. Not for you to run around here talking about I'm Heru or I'm a Set or I'm a Sar. The Asar is any black man. A Set is any black woman. And Haru is the potential of any black child, male or female. So when you're looking at ancient Kemet, stop looking at it through white man's eyes. Stop looking at it through crackers' misinterpretation of black reality. See what your ancestors left for you as a model for you to emulate, then innovate on it and make it what you need it to be for today. Every black woman is a set. Every black man is a far. Every black child, male or female, is Haru. And only when you can put a set and a saw together and have them recreate themselves as Haru can you continue the human race. We need to get back to that ancient science. And I think today's broadcast of you breaking down what we need to do and to acquire this body of knowledge is our first step. I definitely appreciate you joining us here on Necessary Blackness Podcast. Now, you know, you're my favorite son, Raheem. You know, I like hanging out with you and learning from you and you know, watching how you are teaching what you are teaching. Because this is about learning our history so we can erase the white mystery in our minds. Learn our history, erase the white mystery in our minds. That's the motto for the day. That's the mantra for the day. Learn our history so we can erase the white man's mystery. I'm going to share this with everybody that's out there. When we was in Tampa, uh, we stayed in a beautiful Airbnb. It was just me and uh, Professor James Small. And man, when I tell you, man, we stayed up all night just building. This brother uh, has a wealth of knowledge. And um, the night before we both took the stage, I was a little nervous because I like to go over my bulletin points that I'm going to speak about. But we was up so much that night just building. I know. I was just <laughs> like, man, am I prepared for this? And then when we get there and I see that crowd and everybody, and I'm like, man, hopefully I do good. So when I went oh, up no, there. You the science. Yeah, yeah, when I went up there, you never really know that you do good because I'm not really paying attention to the expression on people's faces. I'm just just giving the information. So when I get off the stage, um, they take a little break. 
And while they take a little break or uh, recess, uh, I go over to your table. And I'm like, you know, you up next, you know. I was like, what's going on? He was like, man, you hit on every point. I got to change my presentation around. <laughs> I, I did. I was like. So you were on it. I was like, yo, you know how good that made me feel? You know, coming from someone, you know, who I consider my grandmaster teacher was like, look, you hit on every point that I was supposed to hit on. And it just reaffirms to me that great minds think alike. And from that day forward, anytime that I speak publicly or at an event, I'm overconfident. Sometimes I have to calm myself down. I'm like, the grandmaster teacher told me, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I just wanted to well, share that with y'all. Just, just remember, remember this, uh, Raheem, the God of the totality of everything lives inside of you. Mm-hmm and teaches you every minute of the day. When we learn how to meditate and to focus on our African essence, we can hear the words of our divine within us, instructing us. Mm. So if I love the God in me, I'll recognize the God in you. If you love the God in you, you'll recognize the God in me. And the Yorubas have a word for that in a way, it's Lukomi. Some people say, oh, Lukomi is a religion out of Cuba. No, Lukomi is also a word that means you're mine and I'm yours. I be because we are. You belong to me. I believe that's right. Absolutely. Look on me. You belong to me. I belong to you. I got your back and I know you got mine. Now, for those that just becoming familiar or that is familiar with uh, Baba James Small, we know him for the high science that he drops on us. But what many people might not be aware of, the brother is definitely an entrepreneur. He is doing very good things here and abroad. <laughs> um, your resort that you have in Ghana, I want you to uh, let our listeners know about that resort because, you know, last year everybody was talking about the 400-year return. And um, everybody is visiting Ghana, and I think it's imperative that we support uh, Professor James Small in his resort. So tell people about the resort, what what stages you at, and how they can support it. Right now, we're in our 15th year, but we've been pretty much closed for the last three years because after that, Ebola hit West Africa and wiped out a lot of the small hotels, and we didn't have development capital. But we still have a staff there that's running the place. We pay the salaries every month. Matter of fact, I just spent salaries uh, on Saturday. Um, we are now uh, negotiating a merger with a larger black hotel in Ghana called Accra City in the capital. And the bowl, this um, new thing, what is it called, the COVID? Yeah. We, I was in Ghana in February. We were in the middle of trying to finalize our negotiation when the COVID thing hit us. So everybody now is trying to get back on their feet so we can get back to the table and finish that merger. We're also coming into a partnership with the Ghana Tourism Authority and with the Sun Secret Tours. Um, but it's not just me. I'm the CEO of the project. It's called the African American Management Company, Ghana Limited. And me and Dr. Jeffries and three others are the majority shareholders. But it's 80 of us. Mm. 80 of us have worked together for the last 19 years at peace. You hear what I'm saying? 
Yeah. 80 black people put their money together and able to work this thing. And we, we were doing pretty good. We didn't have, we had the money to buy. We owned the place outright and we have a lease for the next 66 years on the land. Contrary to what people say, Africans don't sell land, especially in Ghana. You lease the land, but the land belongs to the community, you know? And so we own the facilities. It's totally paid for. We paid a We, 80 of us got together and raised a million dollars in two years and bought it. And we've had some good business times with it. The Ebola thing really broke our back. I decided two and a half years ago, let's close because if we can't serve the public in an optimum way with the quality, let's close until we get the capital to upgrade and do it. And that's where we're at now um, in the process of doing it. I got some other things that we're working on in terms of that support that I don't want to discuss over the air. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one thing I can drop on you that, that I'm sure is going to be coming out soon. The, you know who Burner Boy is in Nigeria? You know? Yeah. The musician? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to be on his next album. Mm, that would be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. So we just about finished the negotiations. The album's going to drop next month. Um, the middle of August. You know the title of the album? No, I can't give none of that out yet. Okay, okay. Um, but but we'll be we'll be dropping history and science because he's a beautiful teacher in his own right. He's a beautiful rapper. He's a beautiful historian in his own musical right. He's Bella and and Tupac wrapped in one package. You know. Oh. Um. So we're looking forward to that. But the key thing is what. Know your history to erase the white mystery. That's right. Know your history to erase erase the the white white man's mystery. So, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. The Grandmaster teacher, Professor James Small, will be on Burner Boy's album. That's right. Do you still have a fundraiser going on? Um, I remember y'all at one time y'all was doing a a GoFundMe for the uh, resort. Yeah, no, we, we still... No, we still have um, the GoFundMe for the Sana. The hotel is called the Sana, S-A-N-A-A, Lodge.com. Um, so you can go to SanaLodge.com. We still have the GoFundMe. Um, we haven't been doing very well with it, but I keep it open. And then I have, I also use my, um, um, what do you call it? Cash app. My cash app to raise money. That's how I raise the money to send the salaries up on Saturday. Um, and that's, you know, that's just Dr. James Small. Uh, all right. So Dr. That's J-A-M-E-S-S-M-A-L-L. So that's more um, signed Dr. James Small. Right. And, um, and then, we, you know, we, we've done, we've had, we were working for most of the years when things were going good for about 13 years. No longer than that. So about, what's this, 2020? Wow. We've been at this for 15 years. We've had this hotel. And we were working a staff of 47 to 50 people in the local community, giving them jobs. Right now I have a staff of 10 to maintain the place, to make sure nobody messed up the place. We're leasing out a portion of it right now to the school system because we have two building complex. We have a 20 building complex and then we have a, a 10 building complex. And in the I mean, ten room complex and twenty room complex. So the twenty room complex sleep sleep forty. So 
but we're working with the Ghana school system now and they're leasing that train room block um, to deal with, you know, children coming back to school with the COVID situation in the country. Um, you know, nobody wanted to step forward and give room for the kids who may be coming from abroad and have to be quarantined before they can go to school or coming from another part of the country. So well, that's part of what we're doing right now. Um, and the thing I did before that, we worked with the Nigerian government to train young men uh, who were armed revolutionaries in the Delta region. Uh, the Nigerian government paid them to go to school in Ghana, and I housed them for 12 months um, in their 20-room block so they could study uh, auto mechanics and transmission repair. Mm. So those are the kinds of things we've been trying to contribute to our people over there. You know, at the same time, We've got a bridge between African-Americans and Africans on the continent. So the Sana Lodge, S-A-N-A-A Lodge in Cape Coast, Ghana. And know, the cash the app. place where the two Africa meets. The cash app is the cash sign, Dr. James Small. All right. As soon as we hang up, I am definitely going to drop a little bit of change on there because we got to support those that are utilizing their resources to liberate our community. And um, the brother, Professor James Small, is definitely doing that. So I want everybody to go out and support, you know, whatever you can give is definitely going to be appreciated. You know, I know he liked the money that fold, but he'll take the change that jingle. So make sure y'all drop something on this brother's cash app. And remember... I'm taking this with me. This is your quote. The God of the totality lives inside of you. And the God of totality is not a stingy God. So don't be stingy with that donation, man. Make sure we go out and support our brother because whenever you give, you could never go broke. No one ever goes broke from giving. You're going to get your blessings. You're going to liberate your people. And you're going to bring out the God totality within yourself, manifesting who you are to the world and to the universe. Study study your history and erase the white man's mystery. That's what it is. So in closing, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you or that you want to leave our listeners in your last closing words? When you learn the God in you, know that you're God having a human experience. Know that you are an expression of an aspect of the divine essence that is peculiarly you. And when you learn to love the God in yourself, you'll learn to recognize the God in somebody else. And that's real love. That's real love. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Raheem Shabazz. With Necessary Blackness podcast, and you just heard from our great grandmaster teacher, Professor James Small. Also, a lot of people gonna want to contact you, brother. How can they, uh, you know, get at you on social media? Yeah, I'm 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 on Facebook, James Small, just James Small, or they can remember this email. Most a simpler phone number. You can text me at nine. One four nine six zero two six nine three. Text because the calls are overwhelming. So if you text me, then I can get back to you. Nine one four nine six zero 
1-800-273-2693. And I answer all my own phone calls. You ain't going to rubber nobody getting in between me and you. Now, you know he a man of the people if he give out his phone number now. You know, definitely. If you can't definitely. talk to the people, you can't be in touch with the people. Now, I would ask you when's your next speaking engagement, but we already know what that means. It ain't going to happen. No time soon. But what else are you doing, now, brother? I've, I've been doing like, no, I've been doing two, three Zoom lectures a day. Yesterday, I did a piece with the brother and sister over at Holland. That went fantastic. Um, the day before I did a piece with some brothers and sisters down in Trinidad, that went fantastic. Last week I did a piece with 16, um, council generals from the United Nations. That was fantastic. So sometimes I'm doing two, three Zoom lectures a day. But whatever I'm doing, if you go to Professor Small, AfricanWorld.com page, the flyers will be up there. But yeah. nevertheless, um, you know, Baba, I appreciate you, man, for taking out the time. Well, I appreciate you, son, for the work you're doing. You're doing good work. I love this generation. Y'all are the best generation we've ever produced, and y'all going to produce a generation that's better than yourself. So just do your work. Serve yes. the people. Take care of your family. Grow yourself into the human being you want to be. That's right. This young lion is about to roar. This is the generation. All right, peace, brother. Peace and blessings, brother Raheem. All right. Peace.